Welcome back to Sideline Exposure. I am your host, Mitchell Crossan, and this is Exposure 120 Cupcake Saturday, Week Saturday, whatever you really want to call it. This is a little bit different. This is more of a rant and a bone to pick that I have with the SEC and the fact that they constantly schedule weak opponents in Week 12 of the regular season year after year after year. And this just leads to a tune-up, an easy win, whatever you want to call it, before the final week of the regular season, week 13, and that's the week that everybody plays their rivals. So here's a look ahead at the 2022 schedule for the SEC, and we have, let's see here, five teams that we're going to call out here. Missouri plays New Mexico State. Texas A&M plays UMass. LSU plays UAB. Auburn plays Western Kentucky, and Alabama plays Austin P. Now, I know what people are going to say about Western Kentucky. Eh, they have an offense. They threw for 25,000 yards last year. I get that. LSU playing UAB. People are going to say, put respect on UAB's name. Fine, I'll give you that as well. New Mexico State, UMass, and Austin P. We got to stop doing this. It's just the constant group of five, FCS opponent, cupcake, your friendly neighborhood community college or high school opponent, that's who the SEC schedules and plays late in the year. And don't get it twisted. This isn't something new. They haven't just picked this up. It's not like they've been doing this for only a couple seasons. They've been doing this for a while. I picked a random team in a random year. I picked Alabama 2012. And in week 12, they played Western Carolina, winning that game 49-0. And we can just keep going on with this, even with FCS opponents. In 2019, only 16 Power 5 teams didn't play an FCS opponent. And unless anyone wants to guess how many SEC teams were on here, fun fact, none. Every SEC team played an FCS opponent that year. Now, I'm not upset with who they're playing necessarily. It's just a matter of when you're playing them. It's who you're playing and when you're playing them. A lot of programs, all programs are going to have one or two or even three weak opponents on their schedule. Now, part of this discussion comes from the fact that the SEC only plays a eight-game conference schedule compared to a conference like the Bay 10 that plays nine conference games a year. Of course, there's an advantage to only playing eight games rather than nine in your conference that ninth game, you could play a really weak team. You could be in Alabama that plays Mercer or Florida Atlantic. Meanwhile, uh, Ohio State, who's in the Big Ten, for instance, could be playing Michigan State, right? Last year, Ohio State played Michigan State. It was a top 10 matchup the week before they played Michigan. So this was week 12. Granted, Ohio State wiped the floor with Michigan State, so it wasn't really that good of a game. But it was better than playing Mercer or Florida Atlantic, or a program like that. So my question is, will the SEC ever play a nine-game conference schedule under normal circumstances? So let's start with this. Bill Bender of the Sporting News wrote an article in May that talked about how the conference was conducting meetings on the future of the conference scheduling. And the league, the SEC, appears to be split on do we stick with an eight-game conference schedule or do we go to nine? There are a couple of factors that are helping influence these talks and these discussions. One being the decision to welcome Texas and Oklahoma, bringing them over from the Big 12 
joining the SEC in 2025, we also have the NCAA announcing that divisions are no longer required to have a conference championship game. Most do agree on that second part, that divisions will soon be gone. The Pac-12 got rid of their divisions as literally the day that the NCAA made that announcement. I do think that the SEC will probably move away from their divisions as well. As currently set up in the SEC, there is an East and there is a West division. The SEC is the best conference in football. There's really no doubt about that. But I think we kind of overdo, we kind of hype up the SEC at times when they're really not that powerful. The SEC East is much weaker than the SEC West. In the West, you have LSU, Alabama, Texas A&M. It's much more powerful and there's much more strength in the West. Now, with the current way that the divisions are set up, Obviously, the winners of the East Division and the West Division go on to play each other for the SEC Championship. And this is where things get convoluted, is when you have one division that's much more powerful than the other division. So, Georgia is probably the clear favorite again in the East. I know people like Tennessee, people like Florida. I'm not nearly as high on those two programs. Tennessee has been underperforming for years. I don't all of a sudden think that they're going to be good. Florida is been in the mud and hasn't truly been relevant since the urban meyer days in that era 2008 2009 i do like billy napier as a coach i just think that florida is down in the mud more than we think but the point is assuming that this 2022 season is played with the current divisions as is for the sec it's probably going to be i don't know let's just assume it's alabama in georgia in that sec championship and let's look at alabama so let's assume that they go undefeated and they play a two-loss Georgia for that SEC championship. Let's assume along the way that when they played and beat Texas A&M, that that was A&M's only loss. So if you looked at the overall top standings of the SEC, technically you're going to have Alabama at the top, A&M is going to have one loss, and then Georgia's going to have two losses. It's easy to say, oh yeah, A&M's better they only have the one loss. They won every other game, but they're not going to represent themselves in the conference championship game because they, they didn't win their division in the first place. So that's the problem with divisions when they get lopsided. And it's the same with the Big Ten, right? Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, and Penn State are four out of, what, the five best teams in that conference, and they are all in one division. So it's pretty similar in those two conferences. So now let's take this same scenario and flip it to a world where there are no divisions and it's just going to be the two best teams in the conference will play each other. So in this case, Georgia with their two losses would, would be left out. And let's just assume that Alabama had gone undefeated and that A&M only had their one loss. And let's just assume that it was like a really close loss. What if Alabama beat A&M 35-30? People would say, well, these are the two best teams in the conference. They should play each other for the championship. If you lose divisions, and in this scenario, that's what would happen again. And this is similar to the Big Ten as well. We have talked about the possibility of the Big Ten losing divisions. There could be a world where Ohio State and Michigan, they always play Thanksgiving weekend, rivalry weekend. They will never play each other on a different weekend than that. However, if we get to that game, and let's just assume both of those teams are undefeated, obviously one team has to win, one team has to lose. Let's say Ohio State beats Michigan in Week 13. 
And let's assume that those two are the two best teams. So then they would just play each other again the very next week for the Big Ten Championship game. Now, that matchup would be a little bit different because now we're talking about a storied a history behind these two teams, a history behind the rivalry. Would you want these two teams to play each other a second time? It's like, well, if you lose divisions, I mean, that's kind of what you have to roll with is these two teams may be the best in the conference. Now, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? That's a separate discussion. But essentially, that's what we're looking at is that two teams that played each other one week could very well be the two best teams in the conference that play each other for the championship literally that very next week. So let's head away back to the SEC. So if we go to the nine-game conference schedule, well, for one, just logically, it makes sense because you're bringing in Texas and Oklahoma in a couple seasons in 2025. The more teams that you bring into your conference, the more conference games to be played. That just makes sense. Also, bringing in two programs like that, you're bringing the name, the power, and the money in the brand of that program. You could be bringing in a top 10 matchup. Oklahoma's a program that's been good. Texas, it feels like they're on the rise back up. We're not going to say that they're back per se, but they're recruiting well. They're bringing in good quarterbacks. So you're bringing in two programs that are probably going to bring in some rankings and some big time matchups to the SEC conference. In the current eight game format for the SEC, this is what model that they use. Six conference games each year are played within their own division, east or west, depending on which division you're in. The other two come from the opposite division. And within those two games, one comes on a permanent basis and the other one is on a rotating model. So year after year, that last opponent will change. But this for the SEC is just their 6-1-1 one, one model. So what if you go to nine? Well, we talked about how you could play more big-time games, and you could bring in more fans in the stadium as well, and more revenue. It's easy to point out that, for example, a program like LSU playing Tennessee for that ninth game will bring in more money, more fans, and more traction than if LSU played a small program like a Florida Atlantic. Also, to play a program like that, and people don't always necessarily know this, these big-time programs, if they're going to kick the ass of a small-time program and say, you know what, come to our school so we can beat you 50 to nothing, what's in it for that program? Well, this program could pay them or would pay them hundreds of thousands, if not a million dollars, just for them to roll into your stadium just so you can kick their butt. And that's a lot of money that you're shelling out, especially late in the year, just to play like a Mercer or any other small-time program. But those programs continue to say yes because they are a smaller market they're a smaller program and if they're thinking to themselves well we don't have a huge budget we don't have the budget of an Alabama or a Notre Dame so if we can go in and play LSU this year and they'll pay us a million dollars just to show up and play them yeah we're going to take it because that's a lot of money for our program so I do think the SEC is moving to a point where they are going to play more more conference games and not only because of you're expanding the conference, you're bringing in Texas and Oklahoma. But I found an interesting stat from the 2020 COVID season. That year, that's everybody was all screwed up. The SEC said, F it, we're going to play through it, whatever, we don't care. They played a 10-game conference-only schedule. And according to the Sporting News, it was the most watched season of SEC football. So that's pretty interesting, right? 
the most viewers you've had in that conference is when you've played more conference games. And it makes sense, again, and we don't have to go over the reasons why for a second time, but I do think we're at a point where we could easily move to a nine-conference schedule. Now, what could that format look like? It could be a three-and-six model where you would play three permanent teams year after year, and then the other six opponents could be on a rotating schedule. But then, again, now we're talking about divisions, and do you have divisions, do you not have divisions? I do think that divisions, bringing in Texas and Oklahoma, I do think they go hand-in-hand hand a little bit. As you're expanding that conference, it would make sense to expand more conference games. Now that the NCAA came out and said we are not going to have to require divisions for you guys to play a conference championship game, especially with how lopsided that division is, as we noted earlier, I think we're at a point where it may not happen this year, but going into 2023 and 2024, I would be really surprised if the SEC wasn't already at a nine-game conference schedule. Until then, we'll have to continue to watch Cupcake Saturday as we move through the college football seasons and work our way through week 12. I think a lot of people in college football have been tired of it. It's not good for the sport, and it's not good for the conference. I know the SEC really doesn't care. It's a tune-up game. It's an opportunity to just show up, play loose, not have to worry about injuries. You're taking reps off guys' bodies. I get that. But it's just at that point in the year, November is the month where generally it's like, okay, it's crunch time. Whoever dominates November is going to go on and dominate the postseason. And now you're throwing in, you got games against really small programs. I understand, sure, it's probably helpful for the SEC, but you could even argue, honestly, the flip side of that. You could say, you know what, guys, it's not helping you because we should be at a point in the season where it's getting late. You should be on an upswing. You should be working on things and improving things. You should be at the point where you're hitting your stride. If you're playing tough opponents late in the year, then all of a sudden you have like a scrimmage against a small program. You're taking a dip again and maybe you won't take it seriously. Then for that following week, you're playing your rival. You have to find that upswing again very quickly. So I don't think it's something that's going to change. I think the SEC is going to continue to schedule these teams. I think that their conference is fine with it. They don't really care about what other people think. But the divisions is something that will change. But the Cupcake Saturday in Week 12, I think that's going to be around for a while. Okay, so that will conclude this week's episode of Sideline Exposure. You can find us on our social medias at Sideline Exposed on Twitter and then at Sideline Exposure on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Stay tuned for more content coming your way every Sunday. And as always, thanks for listening and go Bucks.